The Chase Down Podcast presents A City of Champions, a seven-part series chronicling the Cavs' 2016 NBA championship. With help from fans who cheered against us, reporters who covered it, and the players who watched it, we'll take you game by game through the most improbable 3-1 comeback in championship history. Be sure to subscribe to the Chase Down Podcast to relive the greatest series we've seen in our lifetimes. One dribble, steps back, puts up a three, won't go, rebound tip taken by Spades, final second, it's over, it's over! Cleveland is a city of champions once again. The Cavaliers are NBA champions. The series begins Thursday, April 9th. Welcome to the OBR Newswire, your home for all things Cleveland Browns every day. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are coming at you guys on the Tuesday, April 14th edition, which means we will be joined by Fred Greetham. We will discuss a myriad of topics, mostly focused on the draft. It might be tiresome at this point to be talking about the draft, but we are still going to hear from a variety of different folks who have opinions on these things. I think we can get some good insight from Fred, who has been at some important press conferences of late, certainly been at some important I've been doing some important writing on the topic about some of these tackle prospects the Browns are considering at 10 and now sort of expanding to other prospects that uh, the Browns could take outside of tackle. So we will uh, jump right over to our podcast. But before we do that, I want to talk to you guys about our friends, betonline.ag. Again, if you are needing to scratch that online gambling itch, They have the blackjack. They have the poker 24-7. You can get that whenever you want. You can also bet on the stock market weather. Many other things, including Madden 20 simulations, if you need that football fix. So go there, use that promo code BLUEWIRE. Do me that favor you have been doing. Get on there, get that welcome bonus. Again, that's betonline.ag, a proud sponsor here of the OBR Newswire. But let's not delay another second. Let's get over to our conversation with Fred Greetham. All right, guys, Tuesday, that means we're joined by beat writer here, Fred Greetham. Fred always joins us on Tuesday, gives us some perspective on some of the great things he's been putting out writing-wise. Always has a chance, too, to sit down with the media, and this will become even more fun as, uh, as the Browns approach the draft and make their draft choices, and Fred's available to get in there and ask them some questions about the choices they make, and we're really going to continue to focus on the draft for them because Fred's been putting out some really good content about the tackles available um, and looking at the Browns, sort of how they hint with those tackles, who those tackles are as players through their own quotes coaches quotes the guys who have worked with those tackles so I encourage you to read that he wrote a little bit on Isaiah Simmons too recently we're going to talk about that so uh Fred before we kind of dive into the draft stuff I do want to know what you thought of or what your biggest takeaways were from uh, Andrew Barry had a conference call this past Friday and you guys were all involved there and just sort of uh highlights for for, for OBR listeners who didn't get a chance to hear that press conference yeah we haven't uh we hadn't really talked to Barry since the combine and and this really wasn't a, a pre-draft overview. I don't even know if we're going to have what we normally do. Um, yeah, it was a conference call last Friday, and basically he just kind of brought us up to date on on how they're working the technology, and most of the call actually was about how they're going to do it logistically. He said he's actually going to be in Cleveland, but he's going to be at his home, and uh, he said just like everybody else, they have to be separated, and so they're putting everything virtually together, and he did say that you know, being on the younger side, his generation, he was a, he has a master's in computer science from Harvard. Um, reading between the lines, I think that really helps him um, be adept with technology. And if there is any advantage, you know, I think the Browns are going to have everything at their disposal. 
but he said everything is is in lockstep. They haven't really they don't feel at all that they're behind with anything and they just feel like all 32 teams are on the same playing field. So he talked about that a lot. And then obviously question about the tackle. It's kind of a foregone conclusion. Almost everybody assumes they're going to take a left tackle because they haven't addressed that. And that's a glaring need. And he's his takeaway, whether it's smoke or not, mostly smoke in my opinion is don't, don't assume that, you know? And so I wrote about that last week, but I think really a lot of people got a little uptight about him saying, oh, a tackle's a tackle, and there's no difference between a right tackle and a left tackle. And I know a lot of people contacted me or made comments saying, oh, no, here we go. We have a guy who doesn't know what he's doing. I think a lot of that was smoke. Um, What he was saying is, you know, in today's NFL of course, there's a difference, but NFL pass rushers move their guys around. They don't just say, oh, you got to have the, your best pass rusher against the left tackle. They move them around, so the right tackle has to be able to, to handle that side as well. And so I, I think, you know, he knows that there is a difference, but I think what he's saying is Tristan Wirfs or Jedrick Wills, guys that played right side, could still play the left side. And he addressed Tyron Smith, that he was a right tackle and now he's been on the all decade team as a left tackle and you know and he also talked about Jack Conklin you know as a left tackle in college and has been a pretty good right tackle so that was most of the tough about the the talks he talked a little bit about Clowney but didn't say anything about their interest no I I think it is it is particularly interesting how well Barry plays the fence right he's he's young but he feels like he's experienced and sort of not giving away information and um but at the same time sort of maybe giving you some context clues that are in between the lines and and uh, your write-up on that was pretty fascinating and I think it remains it remains a mystery I think a lot of us feel like we have a pretty good clue what they're going to do at tackle with the likes of Andrew Thomas or or Tristan Wirfs and we're making a lot of assumptions based on this analytical-driven front office. But at the same time, they could throw us a curveball, and they could like somebody a lot more. I think, I think Barry is very driven to not be predictable, not, not believe uh, or give folks the belief that the status quo about analytically-driven front offices are going to be uh, the end-all, be-all for how they approach things. And I think they, in free agency, surprise some people with that stuff. They Yeah, I did see something that I thought was a little bit funny because he was trying to justify that Jack Conklin could play left tackle and, or could, you know, if he played left tackle, you still have Chris Hubbard and Kendall Lamb or Kendall Lamb and Chris Hubbard could play left tackle. But, you know, the point is they made Hubbard take a pay cut and they went out and got Conklin because he couldn't play right tackle. It's hard for me to believe they think he could play left tackle as the starter. So that was a little bit, you know, in his, in his delivery that didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I I do think they're going to, uh, or at least they've tried to leverage that spot, but I, I, I think they can play around with the words all they want to, like you said, Fred, but they're, they're going to have to get somebody to address the left side. The most comfortable thing would be finding a left tackle, and then going with, uh, you know, Conklin at right tackle. And I think that they're, they have heavy plans to do so. If they don't, Fred, based on your assumptions uh, leading up to this draft, whether that's listening to these guys talk or just thoughts of your own about how to build a franchise, do you, who do you think is in play at 10? Is, is somebody like Isaiah Simmons somebody that you would draft at that point or an interior defensive lineman like a Javon Kinlaw um, 
or, or Derek Brown out of, out of Auburn. Is there somebody or, or a player there that you find that is worth maybe taking a 10 over a tackle and taking a tackle in round two or three? My take is you need a left tackle unless you just don't like whoever's left when you're ready to pick at 10, you take a left tackle. But if you don't like them, then I have a story on Simmons out today or this morning. And if, if I know they look like they devalue a linebacker, but he can also play like that hybrid safety. He can play all kinds of defensive positions and they have a lot of holes on defense. So I think he could be a guy that really would be one that would my interest as a spy on Lamar Jackson. The guy runs a four three forty, and so so there's one guy that if he fell, yeah, I think that Brown or Kinlaw would be other ones that could be in play if they were there. Even Jeff Akuti, if from Ohio State, if he was there. But I really think they need to address the need, and the big need is left tackle because you can't assume you're going to get somebody else in the second round, and you can't assume that you can get a trade to get back up and get one of those guys. Well, if they do trade, Fred, I'm interested from your perspective, if, if they were to trade back, maybe maybe Jedrick Will, or sorry, maybe Andrew Thomas is gone and Tristan Wirfs is gone and they don't love, uh, or even Becton is gone too, say maybe three of those guys go in the top nine, which is not out of the realm of possibility, and they do decide to trade back. Maybe they move back into the into the teens or early 20s. Like in your opinion, how far is too far to move back? And then is there a guy sort of outside of those first four tackles that interests you? Well, yeah, I wouldn't like him really to, to go more than three or four spots to still get a tackle. But, yeah, I've done a profile on Josh Jones. I've done a profile on Ezra Cleveland, did one on Austin Jackson. You know, I'm not an expert on offensive tackles, but if, if they feel those guys can play as well, as the guy they had their their eye on, you know, if they're all similar, and you can go three, four, five spots to assure yourself that one of those guys are there, then you do that. But to to just assume that you can wait till 41 and Ezra Cleveland's there or Austin Jackson's there, I just don't think that's the way to approach it because it's too important of a position and you don't really want you know, to piecemeal this year. Now, I don't know if their contingency plan is to, if they don't get who they want, then go get Jason Peters as as a one-year stopgap or or then pull the trigger on a trade for Trent Williams. I just think that don't get cute. Get the tackle you want. But, but if you really don't like and the guy you had your sights set on isn't there, then go – a few spots down, maybe gather another asset, but I really don't want them to to be cute. I've I've just seen so many trade downs since I've been covering the Browns, and they end up with more picks, but they don't get substance in it. Yeah, no, I'm with you. It is, it's always a risk, and and we are scorned, right? We have seen it come and go too many times where you tell yourself that's probably a good move, but they just continue to miss on those picks. So. I think in theory, in a vacuum, it feels like it could be a good decision to trade down. But I think if your guy is there at 10, um, they got to take him. They really, they really just have to take one of those guys if they're there at 10, whether, whether it's their first choice or their third choice. I think this, this group of the elite group of tackles in this, this class are, are good enough as a separator that I think you need to get one of them. So we will see. I hope they do it. It's, it's just a draft that is going to be completely and utterly unpredictable 
and it, it could be unlike anything we ever see again because I won't imagine that we do another remote draft in our lifetime. I mean, this is a once-in-a-lifetime situation, so it could get really strange. I want to ask you before we go here, Fred, the uniforms come out Wednesday. What are your hopes for those? Any, anything you'd like to see in them, or are you just kind of over this talk altogether? You know, I'm over it. I've been around since Jimmy Brown played, and I've been telling, you know, all these teams have marketing you know, and how we can get the fan. I say there's one thing, Jake, and that is win. I don't care what the uniforms look like if they win. But, no, I mean, in seriousness, I want the more traditional. I think that's what, what it's going to be. I don't think, you know, they need, they need to be anything fancy. I just want something that looks sharp and, and kind of get back to winning football, and that would solve a lot of problems. And all I remember – is all my growing up years, you know, every year they won double-digit games and they were good, and they were always playing in the playoffs. I would just like to see them to get there, and, and I don't care if they wore all pink if they were good. So, you know, as far as – no, I'd like to see just kind of a, a back to more traditional, you know, I'm, I'm good with the plain white and brown. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think we'll be in good shape come Wednesday. I think that they knew they went out of bounds there a little bit with their with their attempts five years ago, and they should. So I think we'll be pleased. And you're right, winning makes any uniform look good, and uh, and hopefully they can figure that out, and we can shut up about this uniform stuff and, and worry about things that matter like roster construction and hosting playoff games or things like that. So uh, anyway, Fred, thanks for joining me, man. Um, if you guys uh, if you guys get a chance, make sure you're getting on and reading these draft profiles, reading up. Or sorry, leading up to the to the draft that is now under, gosh, we're almost a week away from it. Here in a couple of days will be a week away. So uh, it's coming up close, and Fred's going to keep us covered before, and he's going to keep you covered after with everything the Browns have to say about their picks. So, Fred, thanks for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Okay, that's a wrap for Tuesday's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed Fred's insights, his perspective on the draft. We will get a myriad of different perspectives leading into this thing, especially from the OBR staff and uh, and, and definitely uh, maybe some other people. We'll see. Stay tuned. Continue giving us love on social media. Continue to shout us out on iTunes. Give us those reviews. We appreciate it. Tell your friends. I know it's a tough time for podcasts, but we think we're giving you something unique every day, giving you some perspectives. Check out a lot of the stuff on the site. we got another mock draft coming up this week. Two people I really hope to... To, uh, to, to, to get as much content as I can from them because they're smart guys about the draft. We're going to do that tomorrow, hopefully have it up Wednesday. Should be a fun next few days, and uh, hopefully a lot of good stuff comes out about the Browns uniforms because we need to feel good about things right now, right? And um, I'm, I'm thinking you will enjoy them. I hope you will. So thanks again for joining us here at the OBR Newswire, and enjoy your Tuesday, and go Browns.